Hey, Emily. Hey, Greg. Hey, Chris. Hey, Greg. Hey, Greg. <laughs> hey, Greg. You know, there was a ton of trades at the NHL trade deadline this year, more than I expected, probably because of parity, you know, the playoff races being so tightly packed. Yet, much to my surprise, not a single trade involved a minor league Zamboni driver solidifying someone's goaltending battery. What is up with that? I think uh, the GMs are asleep at the wheel right now. <laughs> That's what I think. Zamboni wheel. The Zamboni wheel. You will. That's uh, where the best goalies are. We can't begin the show without talking about the biggest story to hit hockey since what? Scott Foster. Scott Foster. <laughs> probably. The Gloria song. I don't know. Mm. So, what, what, what was the last hockey story to get on the Today Show? Layla Le- Anderson? Probably. And you yeah. know what's interesting about it to me? I mentioned Scott Foster. Is That happened two years ago. And one of the more interesting things of the way he handled and the Blackhawks handled is he got all these requests. He was asked to go on Jimmy Kimmel and the Today Show, People Magazine, and he turned it all down because he just wanted it to be about the franchise. Right. Meanwhile, David Ayers is technically property of the Carolina Hurricanes right now. And we know they don't say no to publicity. Yeah. Tom Dundon's like, I'm going to rename Top Golf Ayers Ball. <laughs> <laughs> David Ayers, uh, of course, is the 42-year-old goalie from Whitby, Ontario, uh, previously experienced in the Allen Cup Hockey League where he played for the Norwood Vipers for eight games. Uh, He was the – is the Zamboni uh, Zamboni driver for the Toronto Maple Leafs AHL affiliate, the Toronto Marlies. Uh, He became just the third emergency goaltender in the modern era to play in the NHL when he went out and uh, played for the Carolina Hurricanes against the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday evening. Uh, the Marley's Zamboni driver playing for the enemy. And, uh, you know, he beat the Leafs, as everybody knows. But are you surprised that the, like, the Hurricanes, if there was any team in the league where I was like, this is a team that could play that well in front of an amateur goaltender, like, maybe Dallas would be number one. Maybe the Islanders would be two just by the systems they play. But Carolina basically saying, you don't get the puck anymore. To the Toronto Maple Leafs was something that enti- was entirely predictable in this in this scenario, in my opinion. I don't think the Hurricanes got enough credit for this guy getting the win. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, even like after the game, Rod Rod Brindamore comes in the locker room, talks about how the team played in front of that guy for that guy for for David Ayers, right. which is it's an incredible thing. And you know what? I was just talking to a buddy who 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 was remembering when his team had a goalie that. Didn't show up late. They, she showed up late, so they they had to play six on five. They're like, we couldn't score a goal on the empty net. Even I mean, it's amazing how the mind works, how the effort level works. I mean, in that Carolina Hurricanes team, you can't say enough about. It. I mean, David Ayers only had to make eight 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 saves on yeah. ten shots. I mean, you know, you put a lot of guys in the net with a, a modicum of of skill uh, in the position. And have that performance in front of them, they're going to have some success. So all the credit to him for stepping in there and getting in front of pucks. But man, the, I mean, Jake Gardner was just laying out out there. I mean, it was uh, unbelievable to watch. Imagine if Michael Hutchinson had that. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Hutchinson now property of the Colorado Avalanche. Cause of course we're going to talk about the trade deadline, but you know, I think the reason why this story resonates with so many people is that it ignites the little child in all of us. It's mm-hmm. the dream. It's the fairy tale. At 42 years old, he's the second oldest player ever to make his NHL debut. And I guess just to put a tie on this, as we get into the trade deadline talk, I think back to meeting Scott Foster one year after his big day where he was the accountant that saved 
what was it, 14 minutes of scoreless hockey <laughs> for the Chicago Blackhawks against the then mighty Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he didn't do any interviews for a year. And he said, you know, at one point I called it the incident. And I had to tell myself, just because you take advantage of an opportunity doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. So I'm just glad that Dave Ayer is enjoying this and enjoying it with all of us because we all seem to be enjoying it too. Last thing, Emily, you and I have talked about this Leafs team a lot this year. Oof. Uh, they have, of course, are my cup pick. <laughs> sorry, I have a little something. Uh, I'm sorry, Greg. Can you speak a little louder uh, and clearer? My, my cup, my cup pick. Oh yeah, yeah. Not the Allen Cup, mind you, the Stanley mm. Cup against the Vancouver Canucks in the Western Conference Final. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, oh, because as you know, there's nothing I want more than an All Canadian Final. Um, I love it. Is it how is this crushing to the point of no return? Like, like are they? Is this the the ultimate? harbinger of irreparable psychological damage for the Toronto Maple Leafs because you had people claiming that although the Leafs blew a considerable lead to the Boston Bruins in a game seven that eliminated them from the playoffs one year, uh, that this actually is the worst loss in the modern era for the Maple Leafs. Um, what say you? Is this indicative of how horrible things are going to go? Or are you more like me, a rational human? Who sees a team still in a playoff spot that merely has to finish above uh, a a Florida Panthers team that looks as aimless as the Leafs often look? Is this harbinger of doom or just the hiccup along the way for Kyle Dubas's Leafs? As per usual with you and I, Greg, I'm somewhere in the middle. <laughs> uh, look, I, I do believe that not enough is being made about the goaltending situation because as you've noted, noted many times, which is correct, a lot of times why coaches get fired, why teams fail, it's because the goaltending fails them. Uh, yes, losing their best defensive player for a long period of time has not helped them, especially because this is a team with defensive uh, deficiencies. But really, this is a team that doesn't have an identity. When they're not on the power play, when they're not control- like they're really good off fast break. They're really good in transition. They just can't quite find a rhythm. And I look to what Kyle Dubas said Monday afternoon to reporters, and he's talking about the inconsistencies, and he says, I'm not going to come up with some BS and say I have some magical solution. <laughs> and I think that's it. He's exasperated. He doesn't know what to do. And I don't think this team has it this year. Uh, they just don't have what it takes to make it all the way. And I'm like, look, math boy, it's your job to come up with solutions. No, you hit the nail on the head. Their identity was score a bunch of goals and have Fred Anderson bail them out. And then Freddie Anderson stopped bailing them out, and now when they score a bunch of goals, it doesn't matter. So now you're right. They don't have an identity because that was the identity. All right, enough of the Leafs, although we'll probably revisit them in a second because we are going to cover for you, the ESPN and Ice listener, all 31 NHL teams at the trade deadline, live from Bristol. Let's start the show proper, shall we? From the ice to your earbuds, a podcast about hockey. Featuring things to do with hockey. From your friends at ESPN, it's ESPN on ice with Wachinski and Kaplan. It's ESPN on ice, the podcast where ESPN talks about hockey. I'm Greg Wachinski, senior NHL writer. I'm Emily Kaplan, national NHL reporter and e-bug enthusiast. And joining us is... Chris Peters, the ESPN staff writer covering the NHL draft and prospects, and uh, not a lot for me to do on trade deadline day with not so many prospects moving, but I'm here anyway, so happy to be with you no, guys. No, that's not true. You told us a lot about who's that Russian guy that's not Russian that the Vegas Golden Knights traded? Oh yeah, Slava Demin. Very American. Yeah. With, without you, we would have totally thought that was Russian. <laughs> All right, let's get cracking here. We got a lot of teams to cover. 
we'll try not to double back on some of these trades if we if we go through them in a pretty significant way first. Uh, but you know, uh, uh, as requested by Emily Kaplan, I had a request. We always do this in alphabetical order, which is great if you're a Ducks fan because <laughs> you could just listen to the show for like two minutes. Uh, and pretty bad if you're a Vegas or Winnipeg fan because you got the whole hang the whole way through. So we're going to do it differently this year. We're going to do it by points percentage. And as requested by you, we start from the bottom. And yeah. I think that maybe you're just trying to appease our boss, our boss, Chris Brow, who is a sad, hapless Detroit Red Wings fan. Or I'm a cynic and like to start negatively. Mm. The Red Wings mm. made a pair of <laughs> trades with the Edmonton Oilers. Shocking to think that they did business with their former GM. Mm. Uh, Ken Holland dips his hand into the jar of cookies that he baked and pulls out uh, Mike Green, slightly burnt. Uh, and uh, Andreas Athanasiu, the speedy speedster, coming off a season in which he scored over 30 goals. He is not on that pace this year. Uh, many people very excited to see what he does skating on a team that has Connor McDavid, perhaps even skating with Connor McDavid. Two second-round picks and Sam Gagne go back the other way for Athanasiu. And, of course, uh, the uh, retired Kyle Brodziak and a conditional pick go back from Mike Green. Emily, does this uh, bolster the Edmonton Oilers' supporting cast to the point where we believe they could, in fact, win the West? It bolsters their supporting cast. Is this the difference maker that puts them over the edge? I'm not so sure. I think the thing with, and I know some listeners have had some problems with my pronunciation, so I'm so glad that Chris Peters is here because he reminded me it's pronounced happy to see you. That's right. Athanasiu. Happy to see you. So Athanasiu – Look, he's the Green Jacket leader right now. We all have to point out the elephant in the room. He's got a minus 45, which was on pace mm. for the worst record we've seen in, I believe, more than two decades. Um, he'll do much better when playing with a better supporting cast. I, I think we see it so many times, whether it's going to be Tyler Toffoli going from the Kings to the Canucks. Guys play to their environment. If you're on a bad team that's underperforming, you're going to underperform too. So I'm excited to see what this is. I think this could be promising for the future because I think this was a player who hadn't realized his total potential there. And I think because he's an RFA, this isn't necessarily just about this year. It's like, okay, here we've got this short edition, but Ken Holland knows him and he probably wants to resign him and has an envision that this can be the guy that plays off of Connor McDavid. The bigger issue I have is just whether they're going to play well together and whether they can adapt because these are two players that like the puck and one of them's a lot better with the puck than the other one. And that one player is obviously Connor McDavid. Yeah, you know, this, this one for me, I think it's, it's a good chance to take. I think it makes sense to take it. But you look at the way that Athanasiu plays and it's a lot of, there's not a lot of great play with the, away from the puck. And I think that's, it's not just because he's a minus. It's just, it's been the story of his career. It's why it took him a little while longer to get to the NHL than some other players. It's something that, you know, could be overshadowed and overlooked when you are a 30 goal scorer like he was last year. Um, I think that he could flourish in this situation. Uh, but m- more importantly, I think that, you know, if you look at what the Red Wings did, getting draft picks, getting guys, uh, you know, to, to, to make this deal happen. Uh, it's all about just building those assets for the future. And I thought a guy like Athanasiu was not going to help them get to the next level if he stayed there, even if they re-signed him at a reasonable cost. But uh, I think that this is a, a real opportunity for him to bounce back. But again, I think it's also Steve Eiserman, um starting to 
uh, massage the culture in Detroit as well and getting rid of some of those guys that aren't going to help them away from the puck. We've mentioned this so many times, but Steve Eiserman is not assigning a timeline of when not only will they win, but when they'll be competitive. He wants to do the same model he did in Tampa Bay, which is draft and develop. They now have 11 draft picks in the next in the first three rounds over the next two years. That is helpful. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, it, it's it's not as much for me changing the culture as it is jettisoning guys that he'd had no hand in bringing there. That's a mm-hmm. good point. You know, point, and, yeah. and I think – Like this Ryan Kuffner guy who is a coveted college free agent and they have no business with, send him to the Oilers. Yeah. Send, send him to right. Ken Holland who works Someone so who will value him. him. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. And uh, Athanasiu was part of that core with, with Manta and Bertuzzi and, and Larkin that they've had for a few years and, and they're not Iserman's guys and Iserman's going to get his own guys in there. The only untouchables in my opinion should be Larkin and Manta. Maybe Bertuzzi. And Jimmy Howard. Um, <laughs> by default. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. By the way, no, no uh, goalie trade. Bernier and, and Howard don't move. We didn't see. We saw some goalies move, but we didn't see some of the goalies that we thought could move move. Um, so they're uh, they're both in Detroit. So uh, next up on our points percentage count up is the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, they get a conditional fourth for Derek Forbort from the Calgary Flames. Uh, of course, they do some business before the actual trade deadline, getting two second rounders for Alec uh, Martinez from the Golden Knights. And, of course, the Tyler Madden second round pick and conditional fourth plus Tim Schaller for uh, Toffoli on February 17th. Hey, they, they traded the people we thought they'd trade and they didn't trade anybody else. There was a lot of sort of nostalgia scuttlebutt about Jeff Carter potentially going back to the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh Maybe that scuttlebutt got transferred over to the uh, Minnesota Wild as far as nostalgia <laughs> trades. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, that didn't happen. You know, we all know what the Kings are. They're they're a team of veteran placeholders until their collection of of uh, pipeline prospects that have them ranked number one in a lot of places uh, are ready to play. And uh, a good return for two guys they obviously weren't going to bring back. Or, or in Martinez's case, had an extra year on his deal and they didn't really need him for that extra year. Chris, all I want to know is – how good is this prospect pool that the Los Angeles Kings have built? And can they be competitive next season? I wouldn't say next season right away. I think there's a little more time that, that is going to be, going to be needed. Uh, one of their top prospects, Rasmus Kupari, suffered a season ending injury this year. He's going to be a big piece for them moving forward. Uh, the guy that they did get from Vancouver, Tyler Madden, is currently at Northeastern University. He's also injured, but, but not a long term. (laughs) He's, he's, and John Madden's son. Yeah, he's John Madden's son. Uh, does not play at all like John Madden. He's, (laughs) uh, he's a highly skilled player, uh, scored a lot of goals. He's been one of the best players in college hockey this year as only a sophomore. It'll be interesting to see his decision. I think, you know, there, he, he probably will end up signing with Los Angeles this offseason. But then you got other guys like Alex Turcotte, who was picked number five overall. hasn't had the best season, but he's a very, uh, very good prospect. Um, you know, they have they've called up Cal Peterson, who's a goaltender, quality AHL goaltender, who's who I think could be a, a long term backup plus you know potential spot starter in the future, uh, maybe their number one down the line. But this is one of the deepest and most diversely skilled prospect groups. I didn't even mention Arthur Kaliev, who's one of the top goal scorers in the OHL. So they've got they've they've done a lot with these picks that they've had. Um, had multiple picks last year, uh, two firsts. They got Kaliev. They basically got the equivalent of three first round draft picks, I think, with with the haul that they had last year. And they're going to have. Four picks within the first two rounds, one first, three seconds in in the 2020 draft. Those three seconds, great opportunity to potentially move up in the draft as well. I always like when teams can package those those second rounders um, to, to potentially move up if there's a guy that they particularly like. So Rob Blake has done a f- fantastic job of building up this this system. But 
when you have that, you still need some of those older veterans to kind of grow into. I think obviously Andre Kopitar is one of those guys, uh, but there still needs to be more. And I think that there's going to be a time where, where they're going to have to start adding NHL pieces, um, to, to this group. They'll, they should have a little bit more cap space going forward. So that will help. But yeah, I, I think that the Los Angeles Kings, they, if they're, if they're not the number one prospect system, and, and to me, I think they are, uh, then, then I think that they're, they're at least top two. So I, I've got them number one though right now heading out of the trade deadline. If it's the trade deadline, that means that Pierre Dorian's trying to sell you something. <laughs> uh, the Ottawa Senators are up next. Tyler Innes, uh, uh, Jean Gabriel Pajot, and uh, uh, Vladislav, uh, Vladislav Nemestikov all out the door. Plus Dylan DeMello from a couple days also ago. Also DeMello from a couple days ago. That's correct. Um, they're all out the door. And of course, the Ottawa Senators get more of uh, futures and picks. Uh, coming in, including in that Pajot trade, a conditional first-round pick, a second-round pick, and a conditional third that they get if the Islanders win the Stanley Cup this season. By God, just don't even mention it. Don't yeah. even mention it in the press release. No. Um, so I said this on the video, and I'll say it again. We often don't get Pierre Dorian credit. He is the butt of a lot of jokes. His team is not great. They've traded away a lot of star players because he doesn't want to pay them, and attendance is very low. He did magician's work that magic that Kyle Dubas cannot find uh to find to get a first round pick a second round pick and like you said a slim chance for a third round pick for a guy that's never hit 20 goals in his career until this year and has only done it because he has an astronomical nearly 18% shooting percentage genius yeah we'll get give, to, a, give him a hand we'll get to that part when we get to the Islanders but again Chris Ottawa Ottawa has okay they've got three first rounders potentially this year um, or they, they will, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, four second rounders, two third rounders. Next year, they have their own first, three second rounders, and a third. Um, it's a, it's a treasure trove of picks. I mean, granted, from what you tell me, maybe they, they want it in a different draft, because this ain't the deepest of drafts. But, uh, but Dorian's done such a hell of a job in the last few deadlines, amassing these picks and these futures. Uh, shipping out some really good players and Matthew Shane and Eric Carlson and so on and so forth. Um, like we said, butt of jokes, especially when the Carlson trade went down. But you look at even that deal and you see it in a much different life, like considering where the Sharks are this year. You absolutely do. And I was one of the people that was low on that return. But you look at Josh Norris in the, in the Eric Carlson trade. He's been one of the top scorers in the AHL all season. He's the natural replacement for Jean-Gabriel Peugeot as far as I'm concerned. I think that he plays a great, a great, uh, He's a good center. He's producing points. He has shown in the past that he can play a two-way game. Um, he can be physical. He can be fast. I, I really like Josh Norris. I like him a lot more now than I did when that trade was made. But it's all about these draft picks. And I think, you know, they've got that San Jose Sharks pick, which is going to be a lottery pick. So they're going to have two lottery picks in this upcoming draft. And that's where you want to be. It really thins out after the top 10 in this year, but they're, they potentially could have two within that top 10. Those are difference making prospects. If they get one of those top two picks, you've got a potential franchise changing prospect in Alexia Lafreniere or Quentin Byfield. Um, there, there are a lot of good op- options there. There's also a uh, potential to get Yaroslav Askarov, who's uh, the number one goalie this year, mm. and they could really use an elite goaltending prospect. Oh, yeah. I am a huge fan of what Pierre Dorian has done, uh, given what he had to work with. Uh, I believe we counted 39 
players have been moved yeah. out of the I, Ottawa I Senators system. I think it's system. now 40 because there was one since we counted. That's like, that's like close to two so, rosters of players. So that does include minor leaguers, but those are bodies that have gone out of the, the Ottawa Senators system. And they're one of the teams that also has a top-level prospect system already that they can only build upon. And, and again, they have these picks that they could potentially package in other deals. So they're taking those steps. There's going to be more pain before there is success. But yes, but I think that they will uh, really reap the benefits of these soon. And of those previous deals, we're going to start seeing those guys filter in more and more. The San Jose Sharks are next. Now, you guys know I live in California. I think you guys know what's legal in California. (laughs) I think there's no better way to describe what the hell this deadline looked like. Okay, here we go. Brendan Dillon to the Capitals. Great deal. Second round pick, conditional third. Smart move. Uh, Patrick Marlowe gets traded. The Pittsburgh Penguins, so they, they, they give him his request. Here's where things get fun. They got a first round pick for Barclay Goudreau. Didn't see that one coming. How is that possible? <laughs> I mean, I know why. Checker. I know it's why, why it's possible. First of all, because the, it's the Lightning's first round pick, so it's basically a glorified second round pick. Um, and, and they already traded a first for Blake Coleman, so they're willing to give up firsts for guys that are basically bottom six forwards. Um, and with term, we should say. So that was the nutty one. And then the one we all wanted, Joe Thornton, does not pull a Patrick Marlowe. He decides to stay in the Bay Area, much like he's done for his entire career. There's been other opportunities for him to leave in the past. He's always opted to stay in San Jose, be with his family. Um, bad news for all of us that wanted the storybook ending of Joe Thornton going to the Boston Bruins, taking it full circle and ending his career there. Uh, with a, a chance to win the cup. Also, news came out that there was a chance that he would have accepted a trade to the Dallas Stars to reunite with Lil Joe Pavelski. None of this happened. Joe Thornton very came very close to ruining the trade deadline. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I don't have much to say about the Sharks this year. Just like we've we've said a lot, it's been an absolute disaster of a season. That's why they signed Marlowe with a couple days in to try to salvage it. They ended up doing pretty well for setting him off the street, getting a decent draft pick back for him. But um look, I think what was most interesting about Joe Thornton is that we actually heard him speak. Uh, publicly to Kevin Kurz of the Athletics saying, hey, I'd be open to it. And the fact that this trickled out about him wanting to go to Dallas, that's a change in attitude that we haven't seen before. Yeah. That's that's just a sign of the times of how far they've fallen. Yeah. Barclay Goodrill for a first. Good times. Good. To, I mean, good Good for Doug Dude, I would send a yeah. first for Barclay the dog. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a possible? He is a good boy. And, he is a very good also, boy. I mean, boy. San Jose didn't have a first rounder. Now they do. It is, like you said, a, a glorified second but a first is a first, and, and we'll see what Doug Wilson can do with that. Yeah. The Anaheim Ducks do some business. I mean, it's all little trades, uh, nothing big. Um, well, I mean, well, that's not true. There was one big trade that happened uh, uh, before the actual deadline, which was the Andre Kasha trade. They get a first-round pick uh, and Axel Anderson uh, for, for Kasha and then taking on uh, 75% of David Backus's contract. They apparently think Backus is going to help him, which is interesting, yeah. to say the least. Good, good in the room. Yeah, sure. Anyone could help them this year. Um, the rest of it was little trades. They they found a, a, a taker for Corbini and Holzer that wound up being Nashville that sent them their Corbini and Holzer and Matt Irwin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Daniel Sprong, the Caps, he went to Hershey. They get Christian Juice. They get Nick, Danton Heinen. Which yeah, Danton Heinen's a pretty decent little move for Nick Ritchie. I mean, it's it's a fu- it's fine. I mean, I, I I think they'll I think the the if if Kasha can stay healthy. That trade will look silly lopsided, but he could be one of these guys that maybe can't 
I think he was untouchable for a lot of teams because of his injury yeah. history. Yeah. Let's talk about the Devils. Do you, do you want to? Yeah. So here, here's my thought. <laughs> yeah. Tom Fitzgerald, as we know, is the interim GM. Yeah. He is trying to impress ownership saying, hey, I deserve this job. What he was able to do for Andy Green, which I think we talked about at the last podcast, mm-hmm. um, was pretty incredible. The fact that he was able to get what he got for Blake Coleman, also great. What he did today, a little confusing. You know, there was some interest in Wayne Simmons. We kept hearing the Canucks really wanted him. The fact that they sent him to Buffalo for a mere fifth-round pick and still retained 50% of his salary felt odd because the conflicting thought of why you wouldn't send Wayne Simmons away is, hey, we want him in the room because we have all these young guys and we have to keep the culture even if we're not winning. Um, then Sammy Votnin, I, I think the return was fine because he has been injured the last couple of weeks and a lot of teams were unsure of, you know, what the health status was. The Car- Carolina Hurricanes who did get Sammy Votnin and say he'll be able to play in early March. I hope that's the case. Um, but look, he was a pending UFA. It, w- it was time for him to go on this very hapless going nowhere team right now. Yeah. Yeah, they did, they did get one prospect in that trade too, and Yanni Kukinen, who Tom Fitzgerald said they were very high on in the Devils. He was number six on my, uh, off-season, uh, prospect rankings within the Carolina organization, and, and he's a guy that could help them soon. And then you also have to look back to, uh, the deal that sent Blake Coleman and, and getting, yeah, Nolan Foot. Nolan Foot. That yeah. is the key of this deadline for, for me, is getting a player of that magnitude plus, uh, getting two other first round draft picks, which obviously the Devils just need to continue to stockpile, uh, as they try to kind of rebuild around, you know, Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. Um, that's kind of what they have to, to reset their focus as. So. Because Fitzgerald now has an identity. He's like, hey. Right. I'm going to tell you what my plan is, which Ray Shiro didn't. He had no contingency plans. We have two good young players. We will build around these two young players. If I'm the GM, that's what I'll do. And I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think that. For the, for the small amount of time he's been in this job, I think he's, he's, he's made a pretty good impact in working towards that goal. So, um, you know, is it, it's not the sexiest deadline by any means, but I think leaving this trade period with a guy like Nolan Foote with two first round draft picks, I, I gotta call that a win, at least a win for, for Tom Fitzgerald as he tries to retain this job. Sure. The Coleman trade was great. Oh, it was, it was good. Yeah. Real good. We, we should, we should straight out say that. Uh, next up, the Chicago Blackhawks made the, Single most complicated trade of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get a second round pick, Malcolm Subban, and the aforementioned Slava Demon, who is not Russian. Uh, they send out Robin Lehner to the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, and then somehow the Leafs get involved, uh, getting a fifth round pick for taking part of Laner's salary, which Pays is kind of to be crazy. rich. You just bought yourself a fifth round pick. Yeah. The Leafs, this was not the first time they've done this. So they remember, I was telling Peters before that the, uh, I remember there being some chicanery with uh, uh, Olaf, Olaf, Olaf Kolzig back in the day where they mm. traded away some salary cap space. But um, they also get a third-round conditional pick for Eric Gustafson. thought maybe that would be a little bit higher. Um, it would have been higher if they did it over the summer when his value was much higher. Yeah. But he's played a much poorer this year than he did last year. Yeah. So I don't know. You're, you're, you're uh, over in, in, in Chicago town. What did you think of this deadline for the Blackhawks? I think if I'm a player on the Blackhawks, I'm pissed. I think if I'm a fan of the Blackhawks, I'm pissed. Mm. I say, okay, if this team isn't going anywhere, this is what you get us in return. Uh, second round pick, a third round pick, a fourth uh, – 
a guy that our Chris Peters ranks as what not in the top ten of Vegas is prospect. Yeah, kind of a mid range prospect. I, I like. And him, Malcolm yeah. Subban, mm-hmm. who's now bouncing around teams and doesn't seem like he has much of a NHL starter he's, future. He, he's yet he to prove that he's an NHL right. goalie. Yeah. So the thing with Gustafson, like these are two really popular guys in the locker room, Gustafson and Lanner. We knew Gustafson was leaving, but with Lanner, it's like okay, you had such a high price, and no, you didn't get what you asked for, but. To give it away for this, when you still technically are in the race, feels awful. And it feels like, you know, I asked Dan Bowman point blank, you know, do you feel like this prevents you from signing him again? And of course, there's tampering rules. He can't say it. He's not our player anymore. I can't say whether we'll be interested or not. But we know how these things work. If you get traded out the door, like, it's a very low chance that Laner is now going to resign. So it just feels like he walked into their laps this summer. Um, because the Isles bungled the whole um, situation with Varlamov and they didn't sign him long term. They were so happy to have him. And this is what they get for return. It, it just feels icky. Yeah. It kinda, it, and, and, and does it feel like they, they chose Corey Crawford? Yeah. And I think the reason they chose Corey Crawford is because they know they can sign him to a shorter term deal, which was their big issue with Laner, Um and probably for a lower AAV. Yeah, I'd imagine. Yeah. Uh, next up, we are talking Montreal Canadiens. They ship out Ilya Kovalchuk for a third round pick. Uh, ch- the chatter is, is that they could have gotten more for him, but Mark Bergevin wanted to do him a solid by trading him to play with his best bud, uh, Alex Ovechkin. This is the rare case where I think they trade him away and, and there's a really back. good si- chance they sign him this summer. I think so too. I remember talking to somebody when I was at the outdoor game about how his relationship with Bergevin was one of the reasons why he kind of had that resurgence in, in Montreal. So, I think you're right. I think I think he boomerangs back to them. Oh, that little dinky do trades and such. Uh, no, no Jeff Petrie trade. No Tomosh Tatar trade. <laughs> it clearly is a situation where they think that they've got a good team. They're gonna, you know, either you know stay in contention this year or at the you know very least look to come back next year with a, a pretty strong complement of veteran players and young kids and see what they got. And I don't like their chances for that. Really. <laughs> I mean, like I, I, just point blank. I mean. I think that they they've they've done a nice job drafting. They've got some young guys in in the system, but we've we've seen kind of some of these guys flounder. Uh, Yesbury Kenny Emmy is you know kind of in in limbo a little bit right now. Um, so there are things that have to be corrected going forward. But yeah, I mean, I I personally think if I'm a, if I'm a Habs fan, I wanted to see more assets coming my way because I don't think they're a competitive team right now, and I don't think that they're necessarily close to contention at this point. So there's there's a lot of work that needs to be done, and I'm not sure exactly when it's going to get done or how it's going to get done based on what we've seen so far. The Buffalo Sabres' entire team is unrestricted free agents outside <laughs> of Jack Eichel and Jeff Skinner. Uh, but, I mean, that's a joke, obviously. There's more. Don't, don't you know, Put sa- you on sa- that. save your tweets. Um, but they only send out two uh, at the at this deadline. Connor Sheary and Evan Rodriguez head to the um, – uh, Buffalo Sabre, I'm sorry, to the Pittsburgh Penguins in exchange for Dominic Cahoon. Uh, and then of course that Wayne Simmons trade that we mentioned before in which the Buffalo Sabres pick up Simmons. That seems to be a deal where they maybe want to keep him around past this year, maybe hoping that he can be a, a, a good guy in the room, uh, as it were, uh, for the, the stretch run. They, they, you know, trade a fifth for him or whatever. But not, not the dramatic moves that I think a lot of people were expecting from a, uh, managing for his job, Jason Botterill, um, kind of a, kind of an overall quiet deadline for a team that maybe should have made a little bit more noise. Yeah. You know what? This is a GM that has had a lot of guys on the trading block all season long, including Zach Bogosian, who they just had to let go of. Um, and no one's biting. And I think he is working hard and, and working the phones. It's just no one's really excited by this roster. 
No, and and really, I think this is a situation where they're just close enough to contending where it's a let's try and get a couple veterans and see what happens, basically. And and well, that's you, wholly uninspiring. It's not un. It's no, you're exactly right. It's not inspiring. I don't feel like that's necessarily the route this team can take. But I think Jason Bottrell is in a very difficult position right now, where there is this this lack of patience. He's been he's had a couple of really uh, trades that really did not work out for the Sabers very well. Uh, and now these kind of seem like a little bit lower risk moves in order to maintain. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is a team that is kind of running in place right now. And I'm not exactly sure, um, where things stand, but can they really go through another recycle of trying to fight, you know, fire the GM, move the coach <laughs> around? Like, I mean, it just, it's, it's never ending there. Yeah. And I feel like there needs to be something more. I cannot wait to tee Greg up for the Minnesota Wilds because we've talked about the Jason Zucker <laughs> trade before. That has happened. But, Greg, in your words, what the heck just happened with Zach Parise? Well, yeah. It, it, so the big rumor, uh, Frank Saravilli, our good friend from TSN, broke it. And then, of course, as per usual, Michael Russo had an entire story ready to go <laughs> that he'd been working on for a year for this thing to happen. Uh, Zach Parise waived his no-trade clause for a trade of the New York Islanders. The Islanders... We're going to get Andrew Ladd to waive his new trade clause to kind of balance out some money in term, what have you. Uh, never came to fruition, though. The Zach Parise, Lou Lamarillo reunion looked like it was on deck at some point, but the trade never happened. So the Zucker trade ends up being the only bit of business that the Minnesota Wild did at this trade deadline. Um, I got really excited for, for Billy Guerin, like getting that, that Parise contract that runs you through 2025. Uh, off the books would have been pretty good. Um, didn't happen. Maybe it happens at another point, but uh, you have to figure that there's a finite number of places that Parise would accept a, a trade to, uh, the island being prominent amongst them because of the Lamarillo connection. And his dad. Uh, and his, and, yeah, and his dad. So th- it would have been really fun to see that happen if you're a Wild fan, not so much if you're an Islander fan, um, but didn't. And so Billy Guerin's scalpel gets sheathed at this trade deadline, even though the uh, Wild have a lot of decisions to make obviously you know the fact that miko koivu said he didn't he, he was going to exercise mm-hmm. his no move clause to stick around minnesota was another factor in this whole thing but uh i don't know i expect a little bit more out of out of the wild than we got yeah you know i i think i think the zucker trade was interesting and in, in getting kaylin addison back as, as the prospect and that i think that addressed an area of need within the uh within the wild system so that was good and, and obviously he's, you know bill garen's going to be real familiar with kaylin addison coming from the the Penguins organization, but beyond that, I mean, if he was able to get rid of that Parisi contract, I, I mean, I, I think we'd all be handing Bill Guerin the GM of the Year award. <laughs> oh, really? Prestigious. Yeah, I know. Oh, oh yep. you mean the Jim Gregory GM of the Year award Excuse that should be named for Bill Torrey? <laughs> you know, there were two players that guys were interested in, and they're guys with term, and it's Jonas Brodeen and Matt Dumba. I'm kind of glad he didn't get rid of them because I think they're great players, but I wonder with the prices of this deadline, could they have gotten insane packages? Uh, the Arizona Coyotes. Nah, next. They already made their move. They made their move in December. Uh, they are 25th in shooting percentage in this league once again. Uh, they have great goaltending. They can't score. It's their lot in life. And apparently it's what they're rolling with because they were very quiet at this trade deadline, uh, despite maybe needing to make a move or two. But, you know, what have you. The Winnipeg Jets did a little business at the trade deadline beforehand. Uh, getting themselves uh, Dylan DeMello from the uh, um, Ottawa Senators. And then on trade around the trade deadline, they got Cody Eakin for a conditional fourth. 
little dinks and dunks, nothing major for a, a Jets team, and no Dustin Bufflin trade, uh, as it was announced by Andy Strickland, uh, that Bufflin will not play this season. So uh, a quiet deadline for the Jets, despite some uh, observation that it could be a little bit louder. Um, but nonetheless, the Calgary Flames, Emily, made the biggest news of the day when uh, Coach Jeff <laughs> Ward allowed Johnny Goudreau to go take a wee uh, from during practice, leading to widespread speculation that Johnny Goudreau maybe had been traded. That, of course, wasn't the case. Quoting Goudreau, I had to pee. Uh, so that was the biggest news of the day. The number one story of the day, as my favorite there joke is now is. repeated for the fourth time. There it is. But yeah, they get Gustafson, which will help their uh, offense on the blue line, um, and then the four board trade is whatever. Kind of surprised they didn't. They didn't. They weren't more of a mover and shaker, considering some of the moves that were made around them in the Pacific Division. Uh, but the Flames clearly feel like they've got a good hand to play, um, and, and in fact, also you know held on. To some players on expiring contracts, there was some speculation. Hey, why not move a slightly used TJ Brody over to the Leafs for a slightly used Tyson Berry? Uh, that didn't happen, and the, and the Flames end up being kind of quiet. They do get Eric Gustafson, who's a very good offensive defenseman. He's had some defensive lapses, which is, you know, the critique of his game. Um, they plan on playing him on the right side, which is the most interesting thing here. He typically played on the left. Um, so we'll just see how that works out. Yeah, and I do think that the Flames will be one of the more fascinating teams to watch this summer. Mm. Uh, I think there's going to be some some work that needs to be done by Brad, Brad Tree Living to uh, kind of see where they can get some find find some areas where they can get some assets and get a little more consistent because they just have not been consistent this year. Speaking of GMs of the year, David Poyle put the <laughs> iron fist down and said, "Look, it's not on me to make this team better anymore. It's on all you players out there playing for John Hines, the guy that I hired within 15 minutes of firing Peter Laviolette. It's on you to play better. No one's walking through that door. There's no Paul Gostad walking through that door. For how many first-round picks? For what first-round pick? <laughs> so the Predators are one of those teams that said, you know, we're, we're playing the hand we got, and we're not really looking to improve with the trade deadline. It's and a good hand. It's just an underperforming hand so far. Do you think they should have done something to shake it up? I was curious to see if they were going to uh, trade Mikhail Granlund. I think that was a guy. And Craig Smith was available, too. Craig Smith, yeah. yeah, pending UFA. But look, if they're right in the playoff mix, which they are, Craig Smith adds a lot of value. Uh, Florida Panthers... We'll get to the Trocheck thing. We talk about the Hurricanes, but you know, not a nice little bit of business as far as getting some guys that could potentially help now, and and not like just sacrifice Trocheck and not uh, uh, address. Can we just talk about the fact that Trocheck was traded? Like that's crazy. It Two is. years ago, he was the representative at the Chicago media tour, which is usually where you send like your number one star. Like mm-hmm. that's how highly they valued him. He's a great two way forward. He hasn't quite been the same since what was it, an ankle injury in yeah. the beginning of the 2018-19 season. But like, holy cow! Yeah, it, exactly. And we'll talk about him more when we talk about the Hurricanes, but. Uh, Eric Walla continues to bounce around the I love league. how Jersey you make his name. <laughs> <laughs> the Finn from Minnesota, who you just call Huala. Huala. He uh, continues to bounce around this league like a super happy fun ball for some reason. Uh, Walmart will help out uh, down the lineup a little bit. For sure. And then tell us about Chase Prisky and Etu Lusterinian. Lusterinian? Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, so so Chase Prisky was an – basically he was a Capitals draft pick. 
and decided not to sign with them, had his choice of any NHL team, really. There were a lot of teams interested. For whatever reason, he decided that, that Carolina, with a, one of the most loaded defensive prospect systems, was where he wanted to go. He went there. Um, and now he's a Florida native. He got, he gets traded. One of the teams that was in, in, interested in signing him was the Florida Panthers. Now he's an offensive defenseman. He was one of the top defenders in the entire NCAA last season. Um, he was, uh, uh you know, one, produ- a point producer at Quinnipiac last year. Now he's been a really good producer in the AHL. I think he's got a, a, a good future. I think he's got a clearer path to the NHL in Florida than he did, uh, with Carolina. And, and as far as Luster Ryan is concerned, he's a guy that, that, He's a big body. I think he can play in the NHL right away. He's done pretty well. This is really only his first season um, in North America, and so he, he's made that transition rather easily. He did get some NHL games this season with Carolina. Um, is he a top-end guy? I don't think so. I think he's more a down-the-lineup kind of player, but but again, as part of the overall package, uh, you know, I think there was a qu- quite a bit of value gained from Florida, who's another team that's kind of uh, – Will they, won't they territory in terms of uh, competing this year? Also, Chase Prisky, by far the most NASCAR name traded on the deadline. Yeah, uh, the Leafs do nothing. Yeah, we talked about them at the top. Yeah, that's that's just what they do. They're they're we're gonna go with what they got. Score, 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 and hope that Morgan Riley gets healthy, um, as we all do. The uh, New York Rangers did a little business, huh? Oh, so the busy. the Rangers take uh, Chris Kreider off the board. Uh, with a seven-year contract worth $6.5 million against the cap. And then, of course, they trade Brady Schaefer, first-round pick. Uh, and, uh, and that, you know, that's a- They really just trade Shea because, uh, you know, he's been on the block a bit, but it's just that salary now that mm-hmm. they've committed to Kreider, they had to make that move. Yep, no just for fast trade. But, yeah, so what do you yeah. think about them keeping Kreider? Well, I told you guys my pet theory earlier, and I am comfortable saying it on the podcast because I do think there's something there. Go ahead. Um, John Davidson, the president of the Rangers, had a press conference pretty early in the day where he announces first that Igor Shesterkin and Pavel Buchnevich had gotten into a car accident. And Igor Shesterkin, the rookie sensation, is out weeks after fracturing a rib. And it's really scary. And luckily, they're wearing seatbelts. And I'm glad they're OK. And right after, they're like, by the way, we've also re-signed Chris Kreider. Mm. And I look at the Rangers. My dad's a really big Rangers fan. And he's just... Hoping I, you know, I use him as kind of a voice of the fan. He's like, we're doing so well lately. We look great. Igor looks fantastic. Um, we are four points out in the wild card race. How can we possibly get rid of Kreider? And I wonder, they find out this news of the car accident on Sunday night. Talks with Kreider has stalled. They say, we can't go and tell the fans, Hey, by the way, our rookie hotshot's out a couple weeks and we've sent away your favorite player. What if they combine that news and this accelerates it and gives them, you know, incentive to make that push? They didn't want to give Chris Carter the seventh year. They magically do give him the seventh year in the eleventh hour. Maybe they're connected. Perhaps. I like I like your conspiracy theories. You know what? You're rubbing off on me too much, Greg. I know. This is it. It's all it's good for you. It's good for you. Everything's yeah. beyond our, our understanding. Right. Yarmo Kikalainen, the toast of last year's draft. Yeah. Draft Yar- trade deadline, rather. Yarmo does nothing. The Blue Jackets do. I mean, they, they trade Sonny Milano for Devin Shore. That's a whatever kind of trade. But, you know, they, they went all in last trade, trade deadline, made life a lot interesting for all of us that were covering it. But uh, despite being on the on the bubble and despite all these rumors about Josh Anderson maybe being in play, uh, they don't make a deal. They were in on uh, Athanasiu. Nothing happened there. Uh, depriving us of seeing Double A play for John Tortorella, oh, which would have been, been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, nothing for the CBJ, which is kind of disappointing, I think, because it is an 
arms race on that playoff bubble. And they have played so well with how many injuries they've had. Yeah, but uh, but nothing nothing doing for them, which was kind of a surprise, I thought. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers, as we mentioned before, add Mike Green, add uh, Athanasiu. Mike Green is a guy that I find to be an interesting addition here because, you know, maybe it's that he was playing on an abjectly terrible team for two seasons that his numbers weren't great. As it stands, he could do he could do pretty well for you on the power play, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and if nothing else, is is a guy that can transition the puck pretty well to those Edmonton forwards. Um, and good for him, man. Like, yeah. you know, while, was a good soldier for Detroit and now gets to go maybe make the playoffs with Edmonton. He hasn't been in the playoffs since the last time Detroit made it in 2016. And he gets the, the Calgary native and starts himself right into the Battle of Alberta. That's right. What a dream. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks add Louis Domingue because now we are all very worried about the health of Jacob Markstrom, which is very problematic. Uh, less problematic is the Toffoli trade. I, I know Tyler Madden's real good mm-hmm. and I think he'll be a, a good player for LA. Um, but a second round pick and Madden and a conditional fourth for a guy who, for me, was a top three forward available at the trade deadline, even as a rental. He's fit right in. I mean, right. the first couple games for Toffoli have looked great. Yeah. Um, so I, I dig it. I, I, I thought, I thought for what they're trying to do, which is to make the playoffs with a young team with Besser out, go, go, go on with your bad self. I have no problem with Jim Benning anteing up some futures to make the playoffs now because it will help them exponentially to get those young guys in the playoffs. Initially, when I saw this, I said, this is Jim Benning trying to save his job. And now that I've thought about it more, I think, this is a hands-on owner who's like, I'm sick of being out. Let's go in. Let's make the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they still, they didn't give up their top, top prospects. They still have a silly pud Coles and they still have Nils Hoglander. They have guys that, that are going to help them eventually. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think that at some point you just have to say enough's enough and go for it. And, and Jim Benning has, I, I think the Canucks have overperformed this season. I am concerned about the whole Markstrom situation. I mean, that, that could really play with their, their contender status, but. They're in it. They should go for it. I, they, I think they have every reason to believe that they should be one of the top three teams in the Pacific. And uh, once you get in, anything can happen, as uh, we hear them say all the time, even though, mm-hmm. you know, that's uh, wishful thinking usually. The Vegas Golden Knights get Nick Cousins, which is nice, and, of course, Robin Lehner. We only handed out two A-pluses in our uh, trade grades today, and uh, the Golden Knights were one of them. I, dude – now, now you're going to war with Mark Andre Fleury and Robin Lehner. Fleury's not been himself this year. Um, we know obviously he lost his father uh, late last year. I think from what I've been told by people close to him, that's affected him a little bit. Um, so at the very least, if if he can't be the Fleury that you need, now you have Robin Lehner as his backup, which is important for that aspect and very important for the aspect that Malcolm Subban was a very insufficient backup goalie for them. Very, very good at shootouts, so. very good at not so much else. Uh, but yeah, look, Kelly McCrennan said that uh, he talked to Marc-Andre Fleury before it happened. He said, what do you think? Marc-Andre Fleury apparently was all in. Hey, if that's not going to mess up the room, I love it. For sure. All right, Carolina Hurricanes. Woo, my big winners. Even though some people on Twitter think they should have gone to goalie, they seem to like their AHL guys. Tell me what they did. They got Brady Shea for a first. They got Sammy Vatnin for two prospects, right? Two prospects mm-hmm. and a fourth. They got, and then they got uh, Vincent Trocheck for uh, Huala, Walmark, uh, Prisky, and that dude. Um, <laughs> Emily, what's your take on on Carolina? 
I love it. I think they're winners. They are not letting a couple injuries derail the momentum they have built from the beginning of last season. They needed to get defensemen because of Dougie Hamilton, because of Brett Pesci. They went out and got the best rental available and a guy that still has term, which is one of Tom Dundon's favorite thing in the world because that means cost certainty. <laughs> they also got Vincent Trocek. Like, that's amazing. Eric Halla, like you mentioned, he's bounced around a bit. He never quite was a fit with them. He He couldn't really find his role. He was injured a bit. Vincent Trocek has a chance to be a very great cornerstone player for them, and I am so excited to see how he does playing with the likes of Andrei Svechnikov and Sebastian Ajo and Tivo Teravainen. Yeah, and by the way, all the people that are saying that they they didn't address goaltending, they just won with a Zamboni mm-hmm. driver. Did we not? Did we not already cover that? <laughs> I feel like we covered that. Either way, <laughs> what what I think I, I think for Carolina, they they have they have improved their depth. They have they have guys that will help them into the playoffs. Hopefully, they can get some some other uh, you know they're, they're, if they play the way that they did in front of Dave Ayers in the playoffs, they're going to have a <laughs> chance. Okay, they're going to have a chance. But I, I I really like what Don Waddell has done. I like that the commitment that Tom Dundon has made as well because they're going to be spending more money as a result of this of these trades. They are going to be they they're they're essentially they're pretty close to a cap team and the way way things are going. So. Uh, I, I really, am, I really appreciate that. That's an owner that says, "Hey, yeah, let's go, let's go, go do it, and give your empower your general manager to be aggressive at the deadline." And I think that the Canes have a lot to be excited about now. Yep, and uh, you know, Eric Tulski, a mover and shaker in their front office, as I've often said, if Carolina wants the deal for your player, maybe you should hold on to your player. <laughs> uh, the Flyers do a couple of little things for their bottom six: Derek Grant, Nate Thompson. Hold uh, you guys, to Derek Grant. Go aboard, uh, but not much else. Are you surprised there wasn't more of an effort to maybe replace Nolan Patrick more? Or is that what Grant ends up doing? Uh, I think that's kind of what they're doing with those guys. And, and you know, I think one of the underrated storylines of, of the the flyer season has been the performance of Scott Lawton as a guy, a depth player that has produced for them. He's, he's gives them a little bit of versatility. Um, and, and I think that now just kind of supporting that depth situation there. And then, you know, you always have Joel Farabee who you can call back up from the minors. Um, especially, you know, after, after the, the playoffs begin and think, or if you, you know, if you're trying to go for the playoffs. Um, so I think that they have, they're pretty well set. And I don't think that they were in a position where they could overspend and, and overextend themselves in, in bringing in more people. I think they've got a pretty good thing going right now. I like what the coaching staff has done with that team. And as I mentioned, I think that they have the depth, uh, to compete and, and to, to make an impact and they didn't need to do too much. Uh, but they get a little bigger, a little stronger, a little more. A little tougher to play against if we're going to use that oh, old thing. Yeah, there we go. Uh, but yeah, but I, I think that that was fair. Don't go overboard. I think Chuck Fletcher's done a pretty nice job since taking over there as GM. Speaking of GMs, the Islanders. <laughs> let's go, Greg. Look, all right. So let's set the trade up first. They trade away a first rounder and a second rounder and a conditional third if they win the cup. Uh, for Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Uh, and then they quickly take us out of the realm of is this good for a rental to is this good for a dude that they've now signed to a contract uh, for five years or wait, no, I'm sorry, six years and uh, $5 million per season. So they have him signed through uh, uh, 2026. Look, you've mentioned it before. Outstanding shooting percentage season. It's not the worst contract in the world because five million against the cap's not going to kill you for a center. For a center, and 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 clearly, you know, with every with a, with a, rather with Barzell, who they're going to resign, and with Pajot, um, they're going to have some certainty up the gut for a while. Mm-hmm. I'm just not a big Pajot guy. I'm sorry. Like I I I understand what they're doing here. 
It's not the worst move in the world. Now, the worst move in the world would have been getting Zach Parise. <laughs> right, yeah. But, like, don't you think this is, like, a thing in in a couple of years where, like, oh, God, four more years of this? Like, I can very much see that being the case. Because mm-hmm. this is a guy singing for his damn supper right now offensively. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. Okay. You're not wrong. Thank you. The Dallas Stars did nothing. I think Nothing. that's fine. They, they've been looking good lately. Yeah, and I will say Jim Nill mentioned, he's like, I've been giving out draft picks and prospects over the last couple of years. I'm not going to do that anymore. Well, he could have because it's not like he does much with those draft picks. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but either either way, I think that, you know, it, it was fine to stand pat. I, I love the way that they've played lately. Yeah. The Colorado Avalanche get the smoking husk of Michael Hutchinson. And <laughs> uh, and then they pick up Nemestikov, which is a nice little piece of business for them down the lineup. But for all the talk about being in on Chris Kreider, for all the talk about what they're going to do in this arms race in the Western Conference, nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing from Colorado. That That's true. And you know what? I don't mind it. And the reason I don't mind it is I think that they have – they kind of have layers to their team right now. They, they're obviously competitive now. Maybe Steve – or maybe Joe Sackick thinks that it is it is uh, not quite their time yet. I, that could be. I don't know. I mean I think – they've they, got time. They have time. Yeah. They have the prospects. They have the draft picks. They have – what they need to compete. I think Nemesnikov is going to be a good a good player to be a stopgap for the injuries that they have currently. And then you can move him down the lineup when those guys are back and healthy. And, and so he's kind of got, has that versatility. If you wanted to get Chris Kreider, it was going to take something monumental. It could have cost them key prospects. And, and the Avalanche, for years, did not have much of a prospect system. They finally built it up to a place where they feel really comfortable with it. You got Bowen Byram. You got Alex Newhook, who I just saw at Boston College and is absolutely tearing it up this year. Um, you've, you've got Martin Kaut, who they just called up. Shane Bowers. There are a lot of guys that, that are former first-round draft picks that are going to make an impact eventually. I think go with the guys that brought you there right now. Get them a little bit of help. Um, you know, they, they could have potentially addressed goaltending as well, but those were high, high costs. I think that they're in a good position right now. I think Joe Sackick has, has built up a lot of equity with, with the fan base there uh, and has shown that he knows what he's doing and he's very pragmatic about it. So I, I think this is a good position for the, the Avs to be in. It wasn't a, uh, an exciting deadline, but I think it was an effective deadline because they didn't have to uh, you know give, give away any of their future really. Yeah, but they've got all the cap space. They do have that asset. This is the year that – Nathan McKinnon says, I've never felt like I can win a Stanley Cup, and this year I feel like I can. Give this guy some help. Don't make him will this team into there by themselves, especially with all the injuries that they have right now. I'm not quite sure about the health of Nazem Kadri, Matt Calvert, uh, Mika Rottenen's also out. Meh, I'm worried. They should have traded for Taylor Hall. Seriously, that's, yeah. I, I, I think what they should have done was trade for Taylor Hall. And I think that, you know, we were talking about Mark Bergevin being there for a while. I think they were exploring some bigger things. Look, we can all talk about Mark Bergevin. Why he was there? Yeah, you know, his daughter goes to Colorado University, University of Colorado. You don't bring your assistant GM with you to go visit your daughter for a week. Typically, that's weird. everybody needs a traveling buddy. That's weird. <laughs> the uh, St. Louis Blues get Marco Scandella from the Canadians. We didn't talk about the whole Scandella uh, a draft pick flipping that uh, Mark Bergevin did that was a good piece of business for him. Uh, he replaces uh, Jay Bomeister, obviously. But other than that, the Blues do nothing. They were looking at Kreider. Uh, obviously, with Kreider re-signing with the Rangers, that didn't happen. Uh, but as they say, Emily, the best trade they're going to make is Vladimir Sharasenko coming back. Yeah, that's right. Uh, look, I, I think that every indication that we have, Vlad Tarasenko is ahead of schedule. I know this can always be fluid. But... It- 
I believe Doug Armstrong when he's like, I look out there. Is there any player out there better than Vlad Tarasenko? Is it worth shelving him for longer than he needs to be shelved just so we can make the cap implications work? Probably not. Uh, I like, especially with Dallas and Colorado nipping at their heels. Right. And you know, those Nashville predators who won't go away with John Hines. There it is. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, ladies and gentlemen, Patrick Marlowe, now a member of the Penguins, along with a returning Connor Sheary and uh, and Evan Rodriguez. Rodriguez is a player I like a lot from the Sabres. I think it, it, he's a classic change of scenery guy. He mm-hmm. makes their bottom six better. Sheary's a fun one. I guarantee you he's playing back with Sid within, what, two weeks? <laughs> Probably. Right? Yeah. Um, what do we think of the Marlowe move? I think it's great for him, for one. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. From, from, from a Ray Bork yeah. uh, cup potential perspective. You know, yeah. but, but I do think adding that element to the Penguins with so many guys that have won the Stanley Cup already, win one for the Gipper, win one for Patty Marlowe, give them that little extra source of motivation. Um, you know, and hopefully Jake Gensel is able to come back from his injury. And then all of a sudden you're adding all these pieces and you've got, you know, you know, Pat Marlowe can still skate. He can still skate. He can still put a stick on the ice and knock pucks into the net. I mean, it's not that, it's not as hard when you remember the Pittsburgh Penguins. But, but again, it's that rallying kind of sense that you get around a guy like that. And apparently Marlowe grew up a Penguins fan too, yeah. which is a kind of added cool Horned moment. Horned awesome yeah. Twitter account. Amazing Twitter account. Christina Marlowe, you rock. We love you. I just um, think it's yeah. crazy. If you look at Ilya Kovalchuk and Patrick Marlowe, they've combined for 1,003 career goals, zero Stanley Cups. Yeah. And did they ever think they'd be at the point in their career where they're playing sidekick to Alex Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby riding on their coattails, playing depth roles, third line, fourth line to try to win a cup? It's amazing. It's a great story. Did Love we it. Did we underrate the Marlowe leaving Toronto thing and its effect on the Leafs? Mm, that that's, sounds that's like, a really good question. I, mean, I feel like that hasn't really been talked about enough. The fact that they had to sacrifice him for the money, he goes away. Now all of a sudden it's like the inmates are running the asylum. Absolutely. And, and, and you know what else doesn't get talked enough? Not, not to turn this into the friggin' Steve Dangle podcast or anything here. <laughs> but where's John Tavares and all this? Big, the big captain? The big, the big captain is going to come in and be like, I'm the captain and everybody's going to look at me to, where is he in all this? I'm sorry to our listeners who have just interloped into Toronto Sports Radio. Yeah. And another thing. <laughs> you know what they need? Wendell Clark. <laughs> there it is. Uh, I, I, I think Marlowe as a depth player of the Penguins is a really, really good move for them. And like, and like you said, Chris, like when, when the chips are down and you're looking for a reason to, to pull your skates, uh, your skate straps up and you, you know, you're going to, you're going to play harder, win one for Patty. That's right. Like how, who wouldn't get behind that? I'm already behind it. Speaking of that, win one for Ilya mm. as Kovalchuk goes to the Capitals. Now, this is a really interesting trade because, well, one, I mean, obviously, because him and Ovechkin are, are real close. So this is kind of cool that it happens. And as as every Devil fan knows, uh, Kovalchuk can play the right side if needs be. Uh, <laughs> and wouldn't that be fun? Uh, a little, a little, a little Ovi Kuzi Kovi uh, triple. Oh, my. The, the OKK line. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that's good. I'm glad uh, you went with that acronym. So, um, it's close to being wrong. Uh, <laughs> but I found it very interesting because I think where Kovalchuk is most valuable right now as an NHL player might be on the power play where you don't need him in the OV spot and you already have John Carlson as your, as your point man. Um, so do, would he kind of move his, 
kind of move his way into the top unit? Does he play on the second unit? I, I think it's a cool trade. I'm excited about it. I think maybe the Marlowe deal is more impactful for the Penguins. Um, but I Col- like that cool trade. I, I feel it's like that's cool, exactly cool what it trade, is. cool right? Like yeah. you're excited about it. Yeah. Like they're appointment television for me the next time they go on the ice. Right. And, Absolutely. And, and it's fun. And it's and – it, and, 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 you know, like just like, like Marlowe, like Kovalchuk's a guy that I would love to see get a cup before it's all said and done. And the Capitals, while – where are we on the Caps and the Penguins right now? The, Pe- the Penguins to me seem like they have the sturdier foundation for a cup run. But the Capitals maybe seem like they've got a higher ceiling than the, than the Penguins do. Oh, I think that's fair. That yeah. makes sense? Yeah, I think that, that makes total sense. I mean and, and really – you just look. You just look at the way the Capitals play, and it hasn't changed. They they're bigger, they're heavier. They they did that again. You know, getting Brendan Dillon as well. Yeah, we should um, talk about that. Yeah. yeah so you know, well. I mean, like having having some sturdiness on the back end. It was an area that they needed to address. Everyone talks about what a great teammate Brendan Dillon is. You can value that however you want to, but I think that that you you when you're going into a well established team, a team that's won the cup, you want a guy that's not going to rock the boat too much. And I do think that adding Kovalchuk adds an element of excitement. I think it's got to make Alex Ovechkin a little more excited. It's got to make Kuznetsov a little more excited. Just because they've they've played with him in these tournaments year after year, they've won with him at the World Championship. They've experienced the joys of that. And now to be able to have a chance to give their friend an opportunity to win the Stanley Cup, I mean, I think that just lifts everybody. And that, that emotion will continue to play in there. But again, it comes back to this Caps team. They're battle hardened. We know, you know, we, they don't have any of those questions anymore about what they're, what they're capable of. And then you add in a similar to the Patrick Marlowe situation with the Penguins. Now you've got this rallying force on your team. Uh, there's so many things to like about where the Capitals were already and, and what they've been able to do and, and add on to, uh, around this deadline. Emily, let's play uh, some role playing real quick. You're going to be a Tampa Bay Lightning fan in September 2019, okay? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Oh, hello, Tampa Bay Lightning fan. What's up? So, uh, what if I told you that in a few months your team will have traded Nolan Foot, a first round pick, another first round pick, and in return you will have gotten Blake Coleman, Barclay Goodrow, and a third round pick? What say you? When's Gasparilla? <laughs> Um, like on paper, this is insane. Yeah, on paper, it's insane. Yeah, but of but like we we know what Blake Coleman is capable of, mm-hmm. and, he, and he addresses uh, their their penalty killing. Uh, great bottom six forward. I like Goudreau. I think he's he's got a little bit of upside. Both of them have term. Um, it's just a lot, man. Like, and I and I know it can be a lot when you're Tampa and you're going for it, and you're like. Uh, you already have this like sports car and now you're just pouring a little bit more nitro in the engine. Um, they, they also get, uh, uh, uh Zach Bogosian for a, a song as well. I mean, I'm not the biggest Zach Bogosian guy, but sure. Um, it's just a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot, but it has to be a lot. Yeah. The Stanley Cups are expensive and this is a team that simply has to win a Stanley Cup. Right. It's not that they, they don't, there is no other option. I mean, Jeff Finnick has done a great job as the owner of this team over the years. He's done so much to grow hockey around the area. They've, they've had, had this promise about them. They, you know, their, their AHL team won the Calder Cup. They go out and they get, you know, top, top guys in trades. They, they go out and they've drafted so well. Now it's time. If it's not now, you're, you're, the clock is ticking. So I think it had to be expensive. Was it too, I think the Goudreau trade is, is one that'll be, uh, it won't look good. 
against history unless they win a Stanley Cup because then you're just like, oh, well, at least there was a cup. But, but I, And I do think that that Coleman trade is a great stylistic fit for that team as well. Uh, so I didn't mind that expense as much. I did think it was a bit much. But again, Stanley Cups are expensive. This is a team that has no choice but to go for it and go for it as hard as they possibly can. And I think that they're they're showing their team and their fan base they're willing to do whatever it takes, even if it means overpaying. And these moves weren't made out of desperation. Let's not forget that this is a team that since Christmas has been on two double-digit win streaks, has like a crazy plus 41 goal differential. They're playing fantastic hockey right now. These are just luxuries they're adding to it. I would have added one more luxury, which would be like make that Robin Lehner trade. <laughs> I mean, look – <laughs> Andre Vasilevsky. But do you know what I'm saying though? Like it. Yeah. After you've, done, you pay you, it. you've set up all this stuff. God forbid he gets hurt. Yeah. And you're and now you got Curtis McElhaney back there. Yeah. In back of this Fair. finely tuned team. I mean, again, like I'm just saying that, and this and this was the same position they were in last year too. It's just like that one little extra deal that gets you a little upgrade over the backup might be the trade I make. Well, if everyone knew that was the price for Laner, I think everyone would be better off having Laner as their backup in case their starter gets hurt. That's yeah, true. I mean, Carolina definitely could have swung that deal, too. Finally, the team in the driver's seat for the President's Trophy. That's right. The Boston Bruins pick up Andre Kasha. They bring up, they pick up Nick Ritchie for Danton Heinen, which was a trade that I saw some people kind of poo-pooing. I think it's probably like a wash at best. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, Ritchie's big and heavy. And they wanted to be heavier for the playoffs. Yep. And then, uh, and the Kasha trade, like we said, I mean, they get the Bacchus contract off the books. And if Kasha can stay healthy, I think it's a real good move. I love that. I love him as a player. Like, I I think, I think he's, he's got tremendous upside. Um, you just hope that it's not going to be a situation where he gets injured and and what have you. But again, the, the grant, as I wrote last week, there are two grand traditions at the trade deadline. The Washington Capitals are going to pick up a defenseman and the Boston Bruins are going to add a top six forward. And of the ones that were available, I mean, the only other rental that you're looking at is, is to, the only rental you're looking at is to Foley. That right. didn't happen. Kasha has got term. He ends up being an RFA afterwards. You control him pretty well. Um, and, and obviously with Kreider off the board, that wasn't an option. So could have gotten Kovalchuk too, but this is way better. And and they apparently offered more for Kovalchuk, and then Bergevin said, "I'm going to trade you to the place where your best friend is." So, um, I like this. I mean, this is this is solid for them. And uh, if he's healthy, uh, even better. So we'll see what happens. Of course, you know we had the same same scenario with Rick Nash a couple of years ago. If he can stay healthy, he can help. He, he didn't stay healthy. He didn't, didn't. No. So we'll see what happens. Um, all right, that's the trade deadline, folks. We went through all of it. Um, teams. Now we'll do the AHL. No, <laughs> uh, I understand we have a rant line. We don't have a rant line. Ryan's like, you bastards just went on for like three hours. We're not going to. And it's our producer's birthday. Did we Yay! mention? Happy birthday, Ryan. Yay! Ryan, you done such a great job uh, producing the show. So we will give him the best gift ever and wrap it up. Yeah. All right. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Um I'm Greg Wyshynski. Do check out all of the coverage that we did during the day. Uh, trade grades were available. You need to be an ESPN Plus subscriber to get them, but they're well worth the subscription. Hope everybody who's a Plus subscriber enjoyed the TSN simulcasts that happened today uh, for Trade Deadline. Um, you can also read our trade grades uh, uh, or Trade Deadline uh, winners and losers, rather, that Emily and I did. Um, and you can watch our pretty faces on some video that we did. Um, I'll also mention that there is an Alex Ovechkin 
700th goal, which we didn't even talk about because so much <laughs> other stuff happened. Uh, Sports Center piece that'll be on uh, Tuesday that I did. Uh, so if you do enjoy that, congrats to Obi. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's up, Chris? Yeah, I think you you said it all. Thanks for having me on the show. It's always good to be with you guys, especially here in uh, Bristol, Connecticut. Yes, lovely Bristol. Lovely Emily? Bristol. The loveliest. Uh, anything you want to pimp? Or no, I just love being with you guys, and I'm so excited to get a beer. Yeah, it's beer time. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope your team did amazing work or nothing at all at the trade deadline. And we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 This has been ESPN on Ice with Wyshynski and Kaplan. Subscribe to the show in the ESPN app or Apple Podcasts.